On this episode of PI Perspectives, Matt gives you the skinny on how he became a private investigator and how he runs his business currently. Join him, Matt, as he dives into his perspective of what it takes to be a successful PI. Hear Matt's take on how to build your business and learn techniques to help you be the very best investigator you can be. Not a PI? Learn what it takes to be one. Work with a PI? Learn how to get the very best out of your investigator. Matt's 24 years of investigative experience in New York City has given him a unique perspective on how to succeed from case to case. You never know whose perspective will be under the magnifying glass each week. This week, it's our host, private investigator, Matt Spare. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Matt, your host of PI Perspectives, and welcome to episode one. Episode one. So what I wanted to do here is I just wanted to give you a little background, a little idea of who I am, what I'm about, my experience, my uh, war stories, things I'm going to talk about, just to give you a little perspective as to what my expertise is. So without further ado, let's jump into the beginning. In the beginning, the end of 1995, I had pretty much graduated from college. I didn't actually walk down the aisle until 1996, but I had a couple of jobs lined up. You know, potentially I was supposed to go work for the Department of Investigation, which is like the internal affairs for every New York City agency other than NYPD. I had done my internships with them and uh, they subsequently offered me a job. But unfortunately, they had to rescind that offer because the mayor of the city decided the city was going to go on a hiring freeze. So it was a very, um, very interesting time. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do. I can remember my mother leaving one ads in the bathroom, all different types of jobs that were out there and available. She was giving me the hint to get a job and get out of the house. Well, I definitely wanted to do something I went to school for. That was really important to me. I had some opportunities to do things that were outside of criminal justice. And uh, I felt it was really important to try and, I guess, put my education to work. So I um, hit the bricks and got out there and tried to find some opportunities. And uh, I ended up taking a job working for a mystery shopping company as a reference checker for $6 an hour. Yep, six bucks an hour. Figured I had to get myself started in some way and uh, get my foot in the door. And uh, I held that position for about two hours before I was promoted to a field investigator for the mystery shopping division of the company. So as that field investigator, it was my responsibility to go out and travel around to different store locations and create scenarios in the store with my partner to try and catch employees stealing. It's kind of a neat job. Um, We had a lot of retail clients. We also had restaurants which, hey, we got free meals out of it. So basically, we were doing integrity checks. So I would go in, I'd work with a woman who was about 30 years older than me, and we would create the scenarios at the cash register to try and catch people stealing. So it was really it was really a neat job. Um, I did that for about eight months before my supervisor uh, left, and uh, I was given his position. Uh, I got a big, huge, fat promotion. As a field investigator, they had promoted me to $24,000 a year, then when I got promoted to director of operations, I got the big fat promotion to $35,000 a year plus a company car, uh, which was great. Uh, I stayed at that company for about three years. And being director of operations, it, it increased my responsibilities. Uh, one of the things that I would do is I do a lot of interviewing people. 
both for integrity and also once we had uh, caught them stealing to get them to admit what they've actually had taken. And, you know, the standard rule was, you know, whatever they admitted to taking was about a quarter of what they actually had taken. Uh, it's very interesting. But I had some training and different techniques on on how to interview people, which, you know, to this day, I still use a lot of those techniques. So, you know, really the theme here on my experience is, is compounding. You know, everything that I've done leading up to where I am right now has been certain skills or certain techniques that I've learned came in handy later on in life. And you'll, you'll see as we go further into this. So I was director of operations. I stood there for about three years, decided to make the change and get out of the field completely. Uh, I'd gotten into tech recruiting. I did that for, for three years, actually. And again, a lot of the techniques that I used for interviewing uh, on the integrity side came in handy when interviewing candidates for uh, positions. So the skill set that I acquired uh, doing the recruiting, I still, again, use to this day. I had to do a lot of cold calling, uh, which I hate, 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 hate doing cold calling. To me, it's like one of the most difficult things to do, calling somebody that you're trying to solicit business from and say, hey, you don't know who I am, but you should give me all your work. It was just something I was never comfortable in doing, but I learned how to do it. You know, I, I guess I was doing something right because I did it for three years. And also, you know, screening candidates with um, with their resumes, just learning really how to how to talk to people. I would probably bring in five or six candidates a day and interview them. So I was doing a lot of in-person interviews. And obviously, you, you want to cover the integrity part of it, too. So I did that till like the end of August 2001. I'd actually gotten laid off. You know, everything changed when, when 9-11 happened. Um, I, I remember I had some job opportunities, uh, some job offers that were actually rescinded uh, after the attacks happened. So it was a very strange time. It was difficult, uh, you know, being in New York City, uh, losing people that you, you knew um, was not easy. Definitely not easy. I even have friends now that, that were involved with the cleanup afterwards that have gotten sick and... I actually do work with uh, some of the big firms that do um, the 9-11 um, sickness fund. So they uh, they actually help people. There's a Zadraga fund where uh, people that have 9-11 illnesses, uh, they represent them. So my function in working with them is tracking down people that can verify that uh, the people that are ill were actually involved with the cleanup uh, or in, in some sort of capacity. Uh, after the attacks. And that's, it's very rewarding to be able to track somebody down and, and get statements and affidavits that uh, help a person who's towards the end of their life, um, basically getting security for their family and uh, setting things up. So um, I take a lot of pride in doing that work. I've got some crazy stories uh, with the investigative work that I've done there, you know, just pulling names out of left field and, and tracking down people. I should have no business tracking down. Or there should be no way that we, we find them and that we're able to find them and get it done. So that's something I take a lot of pride in doing that. I had actually known a personal injury attorney and he had offered me a position to come in, work in-house as like his in-house investigator. So I did a lot of investigative work, but I also did a lot of paralegal work at the same time. And I really got to understand the essence of what plaintiff personal injury is. He was actually encouraging me to become an attorney and I had considered it. You know, I had gone into court and, and uh, I saw the attorneys that I was 
um, in the courthouse with. And it, it was something along the lines of, wow, these guys, what they're doing, it's, it's not something, you know, it's not difficult. I could totally do it. I would have no problem doing it. And I really strongly considered it. But my real passion was problem solving, case solving. You know, how do you figure out or find out how and why something happened? How can you connect the dots? That was my real passion. So I had read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, it's a real estate book about starting your own business. And I had actually got uh, the inspiration to read that book from my former boss at the mystery shopping company. So the, the guy who was the director of operations before me had left and he had eventually started his own investigation company. And uh, we were having dinner one night and he had recommended that book and I read it and it changed my life. Right then on, I said, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to take a $120,000 loan to go become a lawyer, just like the thousands and thousands of lawyers that are out there in New York City. I, I want to do something different. I want to do investigations. So that's what I did. I, uh, I wrote a business plan. I convinced the bank to lend me some money, which was very interesting. I mean, it was 2005, so it wasn't that impossible to get money from banks, but uh, still trying to educate a, a bank manager what a private investigator is and what we do was was interesting you know they all have their preconceived ideas of what an investigator is you know where's your hawaiian shirt where's your mustache where's your ferrari mr magnum uh, or colombo you know can you solve this crime for me and it's really much more than that so being able to talk to a bank manager and convince them to lend me money was a uh, it was a coup, actually. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what was funny is I had all these, you know, projections and, and I did all this math of how much money I was going to make and, you know, all the projection, the five-year plan and all that. I got to tell you, I was so far off in what I perceived I'd be able to do in five years. I wasn't even close. And, uh, thank God I was blessed. I actually did much better than I thought I would. So. The moral of the story is, you know, give yourself the benefit of the doubt and believe in yourself and, uh, you know, hard work. It's all about putting in the hard work and doing things. And, you know, in the beginning, it was really, really difficult to drum up business. I mean, I had a built-in first client. The attorney that I had worked for, you know, had agreed to become client number one. But I remember, man, sitting in the office, just, you know, the phone's not ringing. What can I do to drum up business? Where can I go? Where's the yellow pages? You know, I got to... Just thumb through it and start calling attorneys and see if I can get meetings. And, you know, really what I found was, was word of mouth, you know, doing a good job for somebody and asking them for a referral to another attorney was, was a good way to generate business. So the one mistake I did make in the beginning, uh, was paying myself, like overpaying myself way too much money. I had paid, paid myself a salary like I was the CEO of some big company without really making the income. Um, that was a very, Humbling experience because I almost put myself out of business in six months. Too much overhead, not bringing in enough income. And it was a real eye-opener. You know, like, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe, maybe I can't do this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. I was able to figure it out. And through God blessing me, I was able to get some clients that were well-paying clients that had a good amount of business. And I actually stopped paying myself for about six months to to even everything out. So that was a very very humbling experience. So fast forward, like another year, I was able to hire my first employee who ended up working for me for about seven and a half years. Great guy, great work ethic, you know, really helped me build the business. I paid off that uh, the loan. It was a seven-year loan. I paid it back in two years. 
and we started to build our, our business. So I, I came up with the concept of, you know, staying within that personal injury realm because, you know, that was my background. That's what I knew from front to back. I could talk about the liability of a case and, and really size it up and understand if it was a real case or not. You know, and it's funny, whenever you tell somebody oh, you're a private investigator and you work on personal injury cases, they all assume that you work for insurance companies or that, you know, you're out there doing surveillance trying to catch that guy who's on his roof, you know, with the, with the hammer when he's not supposed to be or he's playing soccer with his kids when he's not supposed to be. I stay away from all that business. I mean, when I started, I, I did some work with some insurance companies, but it just, it wasn't for me. The things I was asked to do, uh, manipulating photos, fudging statements, yeah, it just wasn't for me. You know, we have to go to court. We have to testify about these things. And when you get up on the stand, you know, the truth is going to be the same 100% of the time. When you start clouding things up or you're not good with your notes, you know, you, you run into problems. If you just stick to what the facts are, what the truth is, you're never going to have a problem remembering how things happened. I always get a kick out of it. It's so funny to me when I go on depositions, when a defense attorney will ask me the same question like six or seven times in different ways. It's obvious these guys get uh, billable hours and just trying to stretch things out uh, to get as much money as they can because, uh, you know, they start asking you ridiculous questions like, uh, you know, how much money you make and asking you about your website, everything that's on your website. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I remember one time I had a guy that was, he was hitting me so hard on my website. I had told him, I was like, hey, um, I just redesigned my website like two or three months earlier. How do you think it looks? Did I do a good job? Is there anything missing on there? Something I could do better? Yeah, I kind of shut him up on that. So it, it's really strange. Yeah, so just keeping that, that niche, sticking to um, that area that I specialized in was key for me. You know, just not spreading myself too thin. And, you know, when I did get those calls that came in on things that I, I didn't want to do or couldn't do, you know, I, I, I knew people in uh, the investigative community that I could refer the business to. So the, the way I knew them is I, I joined state associations. So I joined the um, uh, Aldenese, the Associated Licensed Detectives of New York State, which is a great organization. It's spread all out the state of New York. So like even now when I get jobs like up in Utica or in Albany or Binghamton, like I don't want to go all the way up there, but I know people up there. So I give them a call and they handle it for me. And, uh, you know, they're not hitting me with ridiculous travel expenses. So it's it's good for my client. They're familiar with the area. They, they have relationships up there. So they're able to get the job completed in a timely fashion and correctly and everybody wins. So joining that organization, joining the Society of Professional Investigators really helped me meet people within the industry that I could lean on, ask questions to, you know, legislative issues, Department of State issues. Am I filed properly? Do I have, you know, everybody that's working for me? Am I doing things the right way? My retainers, am I uh, setting them up correctly? So these are all things that people in the industry that were kind of like mentors to me, I leaned on. And that's really important too, to be able to, to lean on people that you can trust. So I continue to grow my business and work in that fashion. Right now, we're uh, we're up to six in-house full-time employees, with another four or five people that are like per diem consultants. So, the one thing I would caution you guys on: you, you definitely want to check your uh, state rules and laws with regards to 1099 contractors and the amount of hours that they're working for you. You know, if you have somebody working as 1099, but they're working like 30 to 40 hours a week for you, they're really employees. And, you know, you really need to 
make sure that you have them on your uh, workers' compensation. So you definitely want to double check. I, I know in New York, it's that way. I, you know, whatever state you're in, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing because uh, you'd hate to get audited and have somebody come in and, and take a look at your books and give you a hard time. So the other thing that I saw was you know, something to, to set my business aside from some of the other investigators out there is really uh, trying to, to drive into technology and how can I implement technology into my business. You know, it's amazing. When, when I started doing this business, you know, there was no GPS. Everything was all Hagstrom maps. You had to be able to read a map to get around. The technology with the phones, like there weren't cameras on cell phones. I remember having like the disposable cameras to take my site photos and, you know, going to develop them. It was a, it was a pain. I gotta be honest. It was a real pain. You know, having a, a regular 35 millimeter camera, um, not even digital and then going to get it developed. I mean, it was just, it was nuts. Or, or even like if you have a video camera, like you want to go around. I, I remember when I was doing the mystery shopping, uh, you know, one of the things we did was surveillances. So we would follow people around. Uh, we had, companies that would hire us to follow around their trucks as they were making deliveries to make sure that they were sticking to their routes. And I remember the, the company I worked for, you know, they wouldn't get us good cameras. They had like, you know, the camera from, uh, you know, 1978 that was uh, three foot long and uh, you had to put it on your shoulder. And I remember trying to drive a car and have the stupid camera on my shoulder at the same time. It was, uh, it was crazy. And uh, I had a beeper. So like when my boss was trying to get a hold of me, they wanted me to call in to the 800 number. They would just beat me. So I'd have to go over to a payphone that, uh, yeah, God, do they even have payphones around anymore? <laughs> so it was a long time ago. Like I said, Hagstrom maps, no GPS or anything like that. So technology actually helped me a great deal in running my business, you know, being able to, to manage everything. I mean, the things we can do now is amazing, you know, Dropbox and, and all those things like we didn't have that back then. It enabled me to run my business without actually having an in-house office manager or administrator or anything like that. I, I could do everything myself. I could do billing myself, emailing files, setting things up, working off Excel sheets uh, to keep track of my work. Yeah, we were able to do all that stuff. And, and I waited a very, very, very long time to hire an administrator. Uh, I didn't hire an administrator until probably about four years ago maybe five years ago, I started doing that. And man, what a game changer. You know, I always thought that having somebody in-house that didn't actually generate income was uh, bad business because they're not making me money, then uh, they're costing me money. Man, I was so wrong about that. You know, by being able to have somebody in-house doing all the back-end work for me, it, it frees me up to do the investigative work, the things I'm good at. So by going to uh, the state association meetings and going to different seminars and learning about technology, I was able to um, learn all the, the cutting edge stuff that's out there. So like recently in the past three years or so, I've, I've got into electronic canvassing. What is electronic canvassing? Well, it's funny you should ask. Like I said, I've been doing this probably about two and a half, three years maybe. I had um, developed some relationships with some technology companies. They were able to find people on social media that were actually talking about specific incidents, like maybe somebody who had witnessed a car accident or a construction site accident, and they were posting about it. Well, they post about it, they go on with their life, and by the time the police arrive, nobody knows about them. They're gone. They're ghosts. It's history. How do you find these people? So 
they set up a technology that worked off of geofencing and keyword technology, and uh, we're able to actually locate direct eyewitnesses. You can do it through open source, but you can also do it through paid sites. Uh, I find going through paid sites is a little bit easier. Um, you can call through the data in a more efficient way. And, you know, sometimes that's what it comes down to as well. You're paying a premium for service, but you're also saving time and getting better results. You know, I had gotten into business with uh, a company that did object recognition and behavior recognition. And it was really, really cool stuff. You know, we were building things out and you know, selling these services to a bunch of attorneys. And then all of a sudden, Facebook decided to change everything after Cambridge Analytica, and that kind of shut the door. So the reason I'm mentioning this is, you know, you never know with technology. One day you can do something, and then the next day you can't do it anymore. So I think it's important when you're when you're talking to these companies and trying to figure out what they can do and possibly like investing, because a lot of them require you to have some sort of subscription to it. You want to understand like how much money are they investing in research and development? You know, if this particular company is not trying to find another way to do something when a door is closed, you probably want to be a little cautious as to starting to put all your eggs in one basket. So that's really how I kind of set myself aside from other investigators. You know, there are a lot of guys out there that do what I do. We all have different relationships and we all have different exposure to different technology. I always tell my clients, you know, that are working with an investigator already, you know, and if they're happy with them, I'm not trying to steal the business. I, I tell them like, hey, if there's something your investigator is having trouble with, let me have a shot at it. Let me see what I can do. Uh, I might be able to solve your problem in a different way. And uh, this way, everybody wins. Yeah. This guy's keeping or girl, they're, they're keeping their client. I'm servicing the client in a way that they were not able to do. So it, it works. I found that to be very successful. So with that, basically this, this podcast, the idea behind it is I would like to have guests on that um, are, are doing some of this new technology stuff or, or maybe they have a certain technique to doing things a, a different way. I just wanted to bring that to light, just give exposure and get their names out there. So when you do have something that comes up that you're having trouble with, if you're a regular listener, you have the resources to track these people down and um, you know really figure out what to do. So again, I, I have a great staff of people now that are handling a lot of my day to day field investigative work, and I'm kind of managing the business and doing a lot of the open source investigations, a lot of computer research, and uh, leaving the field work to uh, to my great team. I've got guys, I've got girls, I've got you know, really talented people working for me, and that's really what you want to do. You know, surround yourself with good people. It may cost you more money to pay good people. But man, they are really worth it if you can count on them to do the job correctly. I've made that mistake in the past where I've hired people that maybe were a little inexperienced and I figured I'd train them to do it a certain way. And then I had cases that clients were expecting me to do the work and I, I gave it to them to do it and they just weren't going to do it the way I was going to do it. And that's not a knock on them. It's just, you know, my experience is, is more than theirs. So you really need to decide when a, a job order comes in, like how you want to handle it and always look to handle it the most appropriate way. So, all right. So I'm done with episode one here. My commercial is over for satellite investigations. I just, uh, I wanted you to understand who I am, what I do, what I'm going to talk about. Again, I'm really excited to really dive in here. 
Man, if you could see the roster of guests that I've got lined up here, you guys would be just as excited as I am because we've got some of the best people in the industry that are going to be on here just talking, you know, just talking about how to do things, how they got things done, how they became well-known and well-respected in the industry. I'm really excited to bring these people to you and to really get their perspective out there, what their take is on what they do and how they do it. So yeah, that's it. Uh, The end of episode one here. Thanks guys so much for tuning in. Please, I encourage you to, to like or share. Give me a rating on iTunes. Give me some feedback. I'd love to get your take on things. Any questions, you can reach me at matthews at satellitepi.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys real soon. Thanks for checking out this episode. Download us weekly on Mondays as Matt tackles new topics on investigators or welcomes the perspectives of investigators or industry supporters. You can learn more about Matt's business, Satellite Investigations, at SatellitePI.com. Also, check out more about this podcast on PIPerspectives.com. Please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Tune in next week when Matt discusses networking and how important it is for your business. Thanks for hanging out with us at PI Perspectives.